Yeah, so risk and faith is not just um, praying for the sick, and it's not just prophesying. There's a risk in loving people. There's a risk in uh, obeying truth. There's a, a risk in giving financially. These are all things that we can fear and they can hold us back. So I just want to talk broadly about what it means to love God and love people and how to overcome fear in that. Read a, I heard a story this week, uh, it's a really interesting story, and it's from 1819. And there was a whale ship called the Whale Ship Essex, and I've never read the book Moby Dick, I don't know if anybody has, I've been mostly put off by how big the book is. I mean, like, is it 800 pages, and uh, it's a huge book. But it's the story, I've seen the film with Gregory Peck, which is one of my favourite films, if you've ever seen that movie, it's from 1950s. The whale ship being chased by a large sperm whale. And so it's a real, real true story happened in 1819, and the whale ship Essex was being pursued by a large whale that kept following it. And eventually it went under the boat, whipped its tail, and smashed through the whole hull of the boat. And uh, the boat began to sink, and the 20 sailors got into free lifeboats and, uh, and, and moved away from the Essex as it sunk, and the whale swam off and didn't pursue them anymore. <laughs> Um, they were 1,200 nautical miles away from the nearest land, which was Tahiti. Um, they were 3,000 nautical miles from Chile. And they uh, had to make a decision about where they went towards. The captain said the most logical thing to do is to sail towards Tahiti, because that's only 1,200 miles away. And they had enough food and water to last two months and the captain said, that's where you need to head, because that's the safest place. One of the ship sailors, who you can go on Wikipedia, you can hear his funny name, said, we do not want to go to Tahiti, because there are cannibals on Tahiti. I've heard a rumour there are cannibals on that island, and we don't want to go there. The other 18 men altogether begin to imagine what will happen if we go the 1,200 miles, land on the beach, we're going to be dinner. And so they start to panic, they start to imagine, they start to think about what will happen if they head to Tahiti, if they head towards where they believe the cannibals are. And so they pictured going ashore and being eaten. And so they thought the second option sounds easier, it's not as scary, the images that it provoked in their mind weren't as vivid, they didn't really think about the fact that if we go for the 3,000 miles towards Chile, we might starve to death, die of thirst, but it was just that the idea of going to the island where the cannibals were, in accordance to their imagination, was so overwhelmingly scary, they, pre they preferred a more subtle fear which was to go 3,000 miles to Chile and risk starvation and risk hunger. And so the fear they decided to listen to really dictated whether these men would live, and live or die. That's really what we're going to be talking about this morning, that the fear we choose to listen to will actually determine whether we're living or we're dying. I want to read you a verse from Ecclesiastes. I love it in the New Living Translation, which is just made me laugh when I read it this week. Um, Ecclesiastes, wisdom for life, okay. When you dig a well, you might fall in it. 
When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. Okay, see if it's a snake got a nest in there, you could. When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. <coughs> so if you've got an imagination, everything you do is actually potentially terrifying and frightening. Get some water. If you've got an imagination, everything you think about, everything you do, has a potential danger to it. Just sometimes we just don't think about it. So everything in life, everything in life paints a picture. That should be it. Everything in life paints a picture. Okay? Everything does. And so these men in this boat, in the whale ship Essex, fear was painting a picture. Okay? If we go to Tahiti, we're dinner. If we stay in the boats and sail to Chile, we're safe. If we go there, they're going to get us when we got on the beach. If we go that way, we'll be okay, because there's not going to be any cannibals in the boat with us. And so you can read in the Bible a similar moment in Numbers 13, 26. Do you remember the story of the land? And so the ten spies go in the land, or the twelve go in the land to spy out, and they all come back in Numbers 13, 26, and they admit that it's really, really good land. They say, yeah, it's really good land. It really does... It really is full of uh, milk and honey. And then they begin to tell you another story. They've seen giants. They're stronger than us. And then they start talking about a land that devours people. Their imagination now goes off on a tangent. This land eats people. We're grasshoppers. We're tiny. They're big. They're giants. They devour people. We're going to be eaten if we go there. Our kids are going to die there. It's going to be a disaster. Moses, you've taken us from Egypt only to see us die in the desert. There's a story. There's an imagination going on here. If we go into the land, we're all dead. Okay? And then they imagine Egypt was better. Well, actually, in Egypt, you were a slave. They forget that. Caleb and Joshua start telling another story. They're... There are bread. We can eat those giants. And God is with us. And we can take the land. And the Lord is with us. And so there's two stories going on here. In one sense, they've seen the giants. But they add an extra dimension, a bad report. They exaggerate it. They're telling a fear-based story to get a decision. See, God has a calling on our lives, okay? And to summarise the calling on our lives, it's this, is to love God and to love people. That's our job description. To love God and to love people. That's all we're called to do. But when we start thinking about what does it mean to love God and love people, that calling starts to paint pictures in our imagination and we start to imagine things and we start to imagine if I go out all for God if I go on that Saturday morning next week we start to paint a beginning a middle 
and an end. We start to paint pictures that are frightening and vivid. Giants. Land that devours. What if I... What if I pray for someone and nothing happens? I step out. I offer to pray. And... Nothing happens. And in the story we imagine ourselves embarrassed, tiny, feeling like a grasshopper, feeling devoured by it. What if I fail? What if I stumble over my words and... I don't know what to say and it all comes out wrong and I feel stupid or I feel foolish. What happens if I trust God with my finances and I think, yeah, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to start, I'm going to start tithing for the first time maybe in my life, I'm going to start... I'm going to set up a direct debit and the first 10% of what I get in is going to go to the things of God. And then the, 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 the story starts unfolding. There's stories, in, you're in the corner and you've got nothing to eat. And you, you, you've got no money. And there's a narrative starts to unfold, a story starts to play in your head. Oh, there won't be, there'll be too much month for the money. And... I'll be like Oliver Twist and I won't have anything and I'll be in rags and, and we'll lose our house and, and the bailiffs will come and they'll take us away and they'll say, what got you in this mess? And you'll go, oh, it was the moment I trusted God and gave. And a story starts to play and, and it can terrify us and we can think, I'm not going there. What about if I start to love people, will they reject me and will they think I'm weak or if I start to love people, if I start to share my opinions and how I feel, will they dismiss me or will, will I get stamped on and trampled on, is this going to go badly or if I use my gift that he's given me and take some steps and start to serve, what about if it goes wrong and what about if I don't feel the grace and what about if... And so all these things, like what happens if I believe for healing and what about if that person doesn't live and then I've got to live with the disappointment and the emotional pain, I'd rather not go there. Can you see how all these things are painting pictures? It's like in our minds we can think to follow God, to love God, to love people. It's like Tahiti, that's where the cannibals are, yeah? That's where you land on the beach and you get eaten. So I'm not going to Tahiti. I'm not going where it's scary. And so the whale ship Essex decided they wouldn't go to Tahiti, they would sail to Chile. And two months later, they were in the boat. Um, two other ships came alongside them. Ten of the men had already died through malnutrition and starvation. Shockingly, one of the men had turned to cannibalism, although the man was already dead. So the very thing they feared that was on Tahiti actually became the very thing they did in the boat, which is 
an interesting, terrifying story. And they got picked up, (coughs) and they were hazy, disorientated. Um, The guy who wrote Moby Dick said, if they had sailed to Tahiti, all of them probably would have survived. But because they imagined something that might have been there or might not have been there, they didn't know, half of them died. The fear they chose to listen to dictated whether they survived or lived. And that's the same in Numbers 13, 26. If that generation had chosen to listen to Caleb and Joshua and the promises of God, they actually would have entered into the land in that generation and not walked around for 40 years until that generation died out and then they went into the land. The story we choose to listen to will be the thing that propels us into life or actually will propel us in another direction. Because there is a a more subtle story that's much less dramatic that we tend not to listen to. There's a much more subtle story that Jesus tells that isn't as vivid and doesn't captivate our imaginations and doesn't shock us. It's when Jesus said this, if you try, if you play it safe, if you decide to play it safe, Jesus said, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. So that's what Jesus said. If you try to hold it on and play it all safe, actually there's a losing of it. There's a, there's a spiritual loss. And... I guess you could take it from, from becoming a Christian. If you try to hold on to your life and you want to be the boss of your life and you want to hold the steering wheel and you want to dictate where you go and what you do and how you live and you want to be your own saviour, Jesus says if you want to do that and hold on to your life, actually there's a loss in that. A loss both now and a loss in eternity. It can happen as well for, for us as Christians. We can hold on to our life and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose something that feels safer, easier to handle, not so risky, not so daring, not so much risk. Jesus said, if you hold on to your life, there's a danger that you can lose your life. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It, there's something about an abandonment to God that leads to life. So sometimes we can feel that to follow him, to trust him with everything... To, to, as it were, get in the boat for Tahiti and be struck by all those images of what might happen and what could happen. We can think that's terrifying. What will happen? Will he let me down? Won't he let you know? Will I be embarrassed? All the narratives, all the stories that play out, we can think that's terrifying. Jesus says to go and sail towards Chile and choose the safest option and think you can do it all on your own and have no risk or no need of faith and just think, you, Jesus is saying, actually, that's a harder and more dangerous and more risky thing. Because to not go in the land, as it were, if we take the um, Numbers 13, or to take the story of the Essex and just sail in the boat with the other guys, there, there doesn't appear to be any giants in the boat. There doesn't appear to be any giants when we say, I'm going to play it completely safe. It just seems to be handleable. The moments we choose to trust feels like it grips us with scary stories. 
And so we can easily ignore the warnings, because really the warnings not to sell to Chile were so subtle and spoke in such a whisper compared to the shouts about Tahiti. Tahiti shouted at them. They understood the fears about Tahiti. They understood the images of being potentially eaten. It screamed loudly, it was vivid, it gripped them. But the idea of going to Chile was a whisper. No one seemed to hear the whisper. You could starve to death. It's 3,000 nautical miles. You can't do it. You don't have enough food. You don't have enough water. You won't be able to make it. No one heard the whisper, the subtle whisper of, this is a dangerous, risky choice. All they heard was the booming of, don't go there. This island is full of cannibals. And I think sometimes God speaks in a whisper. He speaks in a whisper. We can hear the booming voice of, if you trust him with everything, you might this and this might that and that might this. But he says, if you play it safe, if you play it safe, if you keep your life, you're going to lose it. And he whispers it. And there's all the booming voices, all of our culture. No, be your own boss, do your own thing, run your own life, have your own this, do this, do that, be the captain, be the one... And then he whispers, if you trust me, that's where life is. He kind of whispers it. There's a warning. We can easily miss the warning and think, I'm going to live my life as a man pleaser instead of a God pleaser. I'm not going to risk. I'm not going to risk upsetting anybody or saying anything or stepping out. I'm just going to please people. I'm going to trust myself instead of God. I'm going to withdraw from connecting to people because that's risky, because I might get hurt. I'm just going to keep myself to myself. I'm going to hide my gift. I'm going to hide from, from giving. I'm going to hide from engaging with the world. I'm going to hide. Actually... We should hear Jesus' words of, if you lose your life, you get it. If you lay it down, you get it. If you die, you live. If you go low, you get lifted up. If you give, you'll receive. We should hear the, the provocation that says, don't drift into mediocrity. Don't drift into the idea that all Christianity is, is, coming along on a Sunday. Don't drift into the mediocrity of the safety of thinking, I'm just not going to risk anything. I'm just going to drift. I'm just going to drift, maybe towards Chile. And maybe I'll get there. Dare I say that playing it safe is more dangerous than risking everything. That mediocrity of just, what can I get away with, is a much more dangerous thing than wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ and just laying it all and say, I'm just going to trust you with everything. I love the story in, the story in Joshua 7. So, 40 years later, 
the new generation, and Caleb and Joshua are there, going to go into the land. And they have the risk of marching around Jericho, and they walk around it for seven days, and they blow the trumpet, and the walls come down. It's a huge victory on the back of risk, just doing what God said. Because it was, it's not really the normal way of bringing down walls is to play musical instruments. And the next group, the next battle they come to is, is AI. And there's two stories around Joshua 7. There's Achim, who had been told, don't set your heart on the, the, the treasure in the land. That's not yours. That's, that's actually got to be consecrated to God. That's not yours. And then there's the battle against AI, the people of AI. And Josh, they get a report back. Again, some people go out and spy it out. They say, actually, AI, they're really weak there. They, they, you don't really need to send a lot of men there because they're actually quite weak. And there's a presumptuous moment for Joshua. He just feels it's safe, it's easy, we're on a roll. We don't really need to depend on God. And so he just sends a small army, I think 3,000, to go against AI. And then the AI guys, this army, absolutely overwhelm Israel and they lose about 36 men. They've suffered defeat. And the camp gets nervous because they thought they were going to march in the land. It was all going to be victory, 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 victory. Now they've had a setback on their second moment and they discover actually that actually Acham had buried the treasure under his tent, which displeased God. And actually... Joshua had presumed they could just do it and not send a full army. There's a dealing with Achim's sin and there's a dealing with uh, the presumption against AI and he sends the full troops to go out against them. And I think that story says, when you're at the edge of trusting God, your eyes are fixed. Yeah, When you're, you don't know how to do it, when you're out on the edge... You're not thinking, your eyes are not looking at the treasure here, the treasure there. You're thinking, we're marching around a city, we're going to blow some instruments and this place is going to fall down. You're on the edge. You're trusting God. You're listening to every single word that God has. But when there's, it gets easy and you're settling into the drift and this is easy and we're just drifting along and There's a presumption that can come in. The safest place for the believer is right on the front line. Is right where the action is. Is right where it's edgy. Is right where if Jesus doesn't turn up, this is going to be crazy. That's the safest place for the believer. That's the place where you mature. That's the place where you're cast on God. That's the place where you depend. That's the place where you look to him. It's the safest place. It's the place with the biggest and vivid images you can have. But it's also the safest place. I heard a story of a pastor who he was flying out on a mission trip. And he was going over there. And when he was going, his mind was fixed. Yeah? You, you, there's no way this guy was going to be tempted by anything. Because his mind was, uh, I'm, I'm fixed on God. I'm invading the territory. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press into the unknown. I'm trusting God. I'm on the edge. I'm on the front line. Going, that was the... Coming back. He said he walked into the magazine shop and he was so gripped and tempted by pornography 
that he went to reach for it, and just as he was, another goes on the mission trip said, Hi! And he thought, two seconds later, I would have been in the shop looking. See, the safest place is to constantly live with, God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I'm trusting in you. God, I'm looking to you. My every breath comes from you. We, we think it's safe on the, 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 the meander to Chile in the boat. It's the most dangerous place to be. It's better to go for the island where all the scary images, what happens if I do this? What happens if I say this? I'm the only believer in my house. What if I say that? Will they reject me? Will they mock me? Oh God, I need you. And you press into him and believe it's the safest place. The safest place for the Christian is right in the heart of what God has called me to be. What God has said I need to do. I don't want to embarrass someone, but I had a story this week which I thought summarised it perfectly. A guy in the church said, I'm in a, I'm in a, in a place, I hope it's okay share. I'm in a place working and the hierarchy is like this. They're above me and they're bully boys. Their technique is the bully. Bully, bully, bully. We're going to intimidate people to get better productivity. And he said, no, actually, I, I don't think that's the way. There's a way called respect. There's a way called love. And I'm going to show you that actually loving people, respecting them, you can get the same return. That's risk. And so the people under him are in a culture and climate of love. And actually, in, in that environment, in that culture they're beginning to thrive. And actually they're producing as much, if not more, than those who are in the bully boy culture. And in that culture, a guy opens up and talks about his heart and talks about how he's been affected by bullying in the past. And his life story begins to open up. See, that's risk. That's risk. I will obey the king in the kingdom, which does not use bullying techniques to intimidate those under me, but loves I'll obey and do all these, but when it contravenes biblical culture and way of doing it, it ain't happening. I'm heading towards Tahiti. Okay, I know the giants in my head might be, they might reject me, might sack me, might not want me, might not promote me, might not pay me right, but I'm, I'm going there. See, risk is not just the moment where you see the sick and pray for the sick. It's the moment where you say, I choose to obey God. I, I, I'm yours, God. I choose to lay it all on the line for you. It's the moment where you begin to know who you really are. Where you begin to understand that you're not just a, a thermometer in the office. You're the thermostat. You set the temperature. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. I've got access, intimacy with God. I'm loved in his presence Faith is getting ignited. I'm changing the culture. Yeah. I'm changing the culture. I don't, I'm not living according to the bullying culture. I'm bringing in a culture of love in the way that I do it. That's who we are. That's who we are. And we have to overcome all the vivid images of the giants and the devouring and what might be. And say, I am part of the hope of this world. I'm an ambassador of heaven. I'm an outpost of the kingdom of God. When I work, where I go, the kingdom goes. That's who I am. See, saying yes to God and God's definition of what normal Christianity is, is where life is. 
It's where the joy is. It's where the fun is. It's where the greatest risk is and the greatest reward is. It's when you get to partner and be in partnership with God. It's where you get to see what God might do. You only know if you carry something if you risk releasing it. See, we can be in his presence forever, but we'll never know what we really pack and what we carry until the moment comes where I'm going to risk releasing that. Whether it's to love somebody, whether it's to give, whether it's to serve, in the whole broad range of what it means to trust God. There can be moments like where we just don't know what's going to happen. Like where you read in Samuel, in 1 Samuel 14, 6, where they talk about maybe, maybe if we go and attack the Philistines, maybe God will give it into our hands because he can do it with a lot of people, he can do it with a few people. Maybe if we risk it, maybe we're going to get a great victory. And they wait for a sign. If they say, we'll come to you, we think, no, no, God hasn't given it in our hands. If, if they say, come up to us, Jonathan said, we've got it. And so it was just Jonathan and his shield bearer go and take this mountain. On what? Maybe. Maybe God. Maybe we don't know what might happen. Anything could happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We're going to see something. Let's risk it. I don't know what's going to happen next Saturday. I know a jolly lot more will happen than it would happen, than if you never went. <laughs> but we never know what we carry until we risk it. You see, it's possible we could do church forever and never know that we carried enough grace to change lives. And we never knew it because we never risked releasing it because the images of going there were so terrifying. But you could be the one who prophesies over over somebody or see someone healed. I heard one story, treasure hunting, where they they had a, a particular image in their head of, God had said it was a, a guy with, who was wearing, I think actually was wearing a red tie and he was dressed in a certain way. The first bunch saw the guy and said, can we talk to you? He said, no. Another team were going out and they had the same clue. And he said to them, no. Mm-hmm. Next team says, do you have a hurt ankle? Yeah. Prayed for him, nothing happened. Apparently. <coughs> The church office gets a call in the new year. Don't know who, the, the team out there prayed for me. My ankle was healed. I want to talk about Jesus. And so the first team could have thought, nothing, what a bad... It's actually all the stories together. Who knows what can happen. We're almost there. Let's just read another great account of... Uh, Daniel chapter chapter 3 verse 17 <coughs> So the king has said Nebuchadnezzar you got to worship me You've got to love me, you've got to obey me and do what I say. And if you don't, he says in um, 
uh, verse 16. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fury, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Okay, so this is a culture that said don't worship God, alright? Shadrach, Misha and Abednego, as all my friends, one of my friends said, my house, your house and a bungalow. <laughs> I'd always remember that. <laughs> Shadrach, Misha and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery or the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We belong to God. We're not worshipping you, no deal. He can deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship you. And actually God does deliver him. And there is one who was walking among them. Who saved them and rescued them from the fiery furnace. Whatever happens, we say, I belong to you, Jesus. I belong to you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. Because I want the reality of your love to be made visible. As Heidi Baker says, love looks like something. Risk is how things that are invisible get made visible. Risk and faith creates a landing strip for the kingdom of God and the love of God and the reality of God to land. It's in those moments where we say, I don't know what might happen in this moment, but I just know he's good and I know he can and I'm going to see what will happen. Suddenly, they're the moments where oppression, injustice, peace comes, joy comes, God's presence comes, healing comes and comfort comes. All in the moment of risk, of saying, I don't care what's on Tahiti, I'm living for God. I don't care about the bad reports about the land. I'm on a mission to bring the reality of the kingdom. I don't care about the statistics that say Jesus is irrelevant in our day and age. I just know his love and I know his goodness and I know he's the answer. I don't really care whether I'm responded to or rejected or as lost. I've got to cross the line and express that love because it's in doing that that he shows up and that what's invisible gets made visible. And then just invite us to stand. All this springs out of the presence of God, okay? It's sustained by the Holy Spirit, it's birthed by the Holy Spirit, it grows in our heart in the presence of God, we get empowered in the presence of God, we learn about our identity in the presence of God in his word. All these things get shaped in the presence of God as we're reading scripture and they become real to us. And then they break into the world through moments of risk, 
through moments of trust, through moments of obedience, through moments of maybe, maybe God will do this. Maybe he'll break into the situation, break into this family member, break into the street of Plumstead. <coughs> Sometimes it can come right down to what we heard earlier on, that Tunde was saying, moments of trust where we say, actually, it's going to come right, even a personal decision of repentance and changing my mind about something. That's risk sometimes. What will I be like without that? What will I be like without that safeguard? What will I be like without that thing? What will I be like if I trust it to him? Will he come through? Will he provide? Will he make a way? Will there be loss? And yet it's the decision to say, Jesus Christ, I entrust it to you. I believe you with it. That life comes to us. The liberty of the gospel comes to us. So so we pray, Holy Spirit, for decisions to be made in our own hearts, to trust it all to Christ, to believe you, to, to, as it were, take moments of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. We, We know enough of you to lay it, as it were, at your feet. I just pray those decisions to be made today, God, to trust you, to believe you, to go beyond where we've been before, to say we refuse mediocrity, we refuse the drift, we refuse to play it safe, we refuse the slow drift towards Chile. We say that's not where life is. Life is in the moment where we choose to obey God, where we choose God's definition of normal, where we say we're going to go where the giants are. We're going to go where the most vivid images are. We're going to go where it most looks terrifying because it's in that place, God. It's in those moments that life comes, where breakthrough comes, where the kingdom comes. And thank you that it's not about how strong we feel. It's about how strong you are. It's about how great you are. This is not rah, rah, yeah, we're going to do it because we're so strong. It's about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. It's what we receive in the presence that we then bring into the public. And God, we just want to learn to walk with you, to take baby steps. Thank you so much. You love process, that you love it when we just say, God, I choose to trust you even today. I choose to turn my boat around. I choose to sail in a new direction. I choose not to drift towards some island that seems safe, that's all secure. And I choose to go where I'm most scared and most terrified. I choose to embrace you, God, in the midst of I fix my eyes on you, not even on the thing I'm scared about, but on God and who God is. We just prophesy over us as a body. We say that thing that terrifies you most, that can be bread to you because God is with you. But you won't know it's bread unless you risk obeying him. He'll always be overwhelming and terrifying until the moment you say I'm trusting God. We pray for decisions to trust you God in deeper ways. That it's easier than we ever thought it could be. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. I don't want to uh, take us long any longer. I just want to just say, I just believe God is saying, I believe God spoke to me personally about some areas that he wants me to, to step out in. I just think God wants to say to every single person here, every single person here, there is something that you need to step out on. And, uh, and you can look around and say, well, that's for this guy, this is for this guy. But actually, I believe God wants to say, actually, there's something for you here. There's a step I want you to take. Uh, it might be coming on Saturday. It might be 
coming on Friday evening to, to hear what God has to say about you. It might be some issue of addiction. It might be something in your giving uh, to, to, to the church or, or to God. It might be something at your workplace that you know God's been prompting you to do. It might be something on, on a Sunday morning. It might be it's many, many things I believe God wants us to but I believe there is something for every single person here and just in this moment I believe God wants to just if you're not sure he's going to put that in your mind right now what it is and it's that moment and you're going to and God's going to ask you to say I'm going to do this I'm going to step out for you God and I'm going to trust you in this Just, uh, just really believe God wants us to be a church that is living on the edge. I just love that phrase. I, I, I can picture a, a diving board. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been up to the top of those big diving boards, the 12 metre boards. They are frightening. They really are. And, uh, and we, we, God said, come to the edge of that. It's frightening. But actually... I'm going to make sure that when you jump off it, you're going to be fine. Because I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. But actually, you won't experience the, the wonder, the exhilaration of jumping off that board, the, the tremendous joy and, and amazing release that comes from jumping off a diving board. Unless, unless you get to the edge and go for it. And, and it is life. I'm not saying jumping off a dome ball's life, but actually there's something amazing when you do it. Uh, but actually God has got life for those that are prepared to take those steps. I really believe, actually, there is nothing greater than living on the edge with God. There is, really is nothing better in life than just seeing God and stepping out and seeing him act. It's just amazing. Yeah, Lord, I pray, God, help us, every single one here, to take that step, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray right now, put that in their hearts, and Lord, give us that sense of your grace and your mercy by your Spirit to take that step in these next days.